Now, I think you're being a little whiny and millennial about this. Welcome to South Jersey Girls. I'm Klein Aliardi. I'm Jane Feld. I'm Elise Notariani. And I'm Marianne Aliardi. And we're recording this on January 7th. So yesterday we spent pretty much all of the day watching the attack on the U.S. Capitol. So I'm not kidding when I say that I watched uh, news coverage for about 10 hours yesterday. Yeah, I feel like I did the same. It's so unlike when I was younger and something like this would happen, you just wouldn't have access to all of this information from all these different people. I can't imagine not knowing what was happening all the time. Yeah. Did nothing like that ever happen when you guys were younger? You know, all day, everyone's checking it. In the 80s, there was something called Move. That oh, happened yeah. in Philly. It was pretty big. I, I don't want to um, wrongly describe either side, but the, there was a, the police ended up bombing a row house in order to get people that they believed, that they believed they were criminals. I don't, that, you know, who knows? That was on the news. The news stations, the local news stations broke in on television all day. They just showed it all day. And really all you saw was, was fire burning. I remember that it happened, but I wasn't plugged in the way that my kids were glued in for 10 hours the way everyone was today. How did you handle yesterday with your kids? Are they, are they in school or are they on break? They're in school, but it's remote. Right. So their phones were beeping in alerts too. And we were talking about it in the context of history. So, you know, we, we made it something more positive, but I just don't know how this will shape them when they grow up because they're so plugged in. And this is a hard experience when you're really young. Yeah. Like, were they showing you things online that you hadn't seen? That's what's interesting to me is the, like the fact that you just said they were getting pings to their phone, like the idea that now the news is going directly to your yes. kids and could go past parents. Plus all the satirical stuff that happens because before even all the news coverage is done, you've got all of like the joke videos or, um, you know, stuff going up on Twitter and, and TikTok. I sent Klein a whole bunch of um, TikTok takes uh, on what happened last night. that we saw of um, the actual footage was of inside the building was TikTok. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait, you, I actually, I'm sure you did too, watch the woman being shot. Live or afterwards? That no, was you didn't see the video of her. That wasn't in real time, was it? You saw, wait, no, I didn't you see, didn't her see it live. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Afterwards, even now you can go on Twitter and there are videos that sh where a guy's like three people over from her. You hear the shot, you see her fall. He kind of goes and does a close-up on her. Imagine the, all of the horror that was around when we were growing up, but we didn't see it. And now, you, and now everyone does. Everyone in the world has that visual. And also, one thing last night when I showed Joe after I saw it, you know, we have three daughters. This, is, this woman was pretty young. And you, you know, it's very likely that that mom found out that her daughter was shot because she watched it. She watched her laying on the ground with all of this blood coming out of her neck. I, at, so I don't know if that's why it kept sticking with me, but I was thinking about her all night. She looked right in the camera and her eyes were just really wide. And I kept thinking like, because I, I used to work in um, the Dirksen Senate building. So I kept thinking like, if that was me or if that was someone I knew and like, I, I saw that going by or somebody saw me on the stretcher go on TV, it just yeah. it freaked me out. I think one of the points we're getting to is you can't filter this from your kids anymore. What's the line there? Even with the, even with the girl being shot and, the, and the, the guy videotaping him. I think another big part of that is the fact that 
there are some people who are only in this to get social media followers and like it's the same conversation that people have had about the 24-hour news cycle and the fact that like the more desensitized we are to this the more people are just looking for crazy stuff i think that that's more of a motivation for a lot of people going to these things is that they can go and they can live stream it and they can put it on their instagram stories and whatever which i hate so much does that end or does it doesn't great but then we wouldn't have that if the guy who only wanted to put it on instagram and tiktok wasn't there yeah there there's there's a side of that which is how much do you how much detail do you really need to know but the other side of that is maybe people didn't get the reality of what was happening until they saw that video right think about the civil rights marches right Right. yeah and also one of the good things yesterday too was all of the uh, side-by-side pictures showing blm and how they were treated and how these people yesterday were treated the differences Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, okay, you know, just look left and right. There it is. It's it's easy to see. Right. I mean, it was excruciating to see how long it took for um, backup law enforcement. Yeah, it was, that was nuts. And I, I kept thinking about when I did work there, like where would I have hidden in the, you know, closet of the Senate basement that I worked in mm-hmm. with, you know, my boss who smelled heavily of Axe body spray, you know, like where... <laughs> You know, up, upstairs with where they get in is really open. But the second that somebody figures out how to get downstairs into the, the tunnels, that's when I got scared because I was like, they can really do some damage the second that they get down there. And that's where all the like the staffers are and, and the, the cafeteria workers are and like people like me who could have yeah. been in college when they were and they were just there to like, you know, do the transcripts for the night. I think I was more shocked by yesterday than if it, there had been a school shooting. I think that we were, I, I don't know if people younger than us, like, I think there's definitely a, a generation of kids who were like, normal. oh, this is just like what politics are. Like you guys I, more were raised in the like, America will do no wrong ever and nothing bad will happen in our soil. And we were, I think Klein and I were raised in that too, but we are younger and have seen 2020 happen. Maybe. We were also raised to believe that America was viewed as not having any crazy in the country, you know, never doing anything. Because you didn't cool. see it because you had three news channels, yeah. right? No, but I'm saying that was our reputation to the whole world. And now it isn't. And I think there are at different ages feel different, differently about that. Klein, when you watched them, like them go back to the proceedings, did yeah. you feel a sense of pride? I mean, yeah. I felt pride when they were like, we don't care that that just happened. We're going to finish this. Yeah. But the minute by minute of what those proceedings were like, I was like, if you guys aren't screaming at the top of your lungs because of how mad this made you and how unbelievably messed up it is. I don't want to watch whatever you have to say. Yeah, you know, I hear you there because in the old days, it like some of these great speeches that some of these politicians gave about how we're going to go on and do this, you would look at them and be like, oh, they're so brave and, and they're doing all this stuff. But then if you know that some of these politicians were fomenting this, it changes how you feel about these speeches. But I, I think it's sad if you didn't recognize when they went back that that's what America does. You know, like that's the message that we put out to the country. Yeah. Do you, you're, do you guys not get that? Like, that's the message that all my life we've, America has put out to the entire world that 
we get we survive things because we're a great country and that's what they were showing last night i have a lot of feelings about that that i probably should not say on a podcast because it would come off as very un-american no i think a lot of people would your age would i think they feel that way i don't i don't i think that's it's being lost well i just feel like in high school we were fed like spoon fed america is the best country in the world america but like I don't know. Nobody ever gave backup as to why we're the greatest country in the world. And if you look at the stats. I think maybe a part of what has caused us to grow up this way, and, and not everyone our age is like this, but at least for some of us, is that, like Elise was saying, we were spoon-fed that America is the greatest country in the world. And you go through years of discovering that that's not true. Yeah, but Klein, we all do that too. Like, I don't, I don't know that it's happened as drastically as with our generation. I don't think it's happened as drastically as it has in the past like 10 years. Nah, I think you're being a little whiny and millennial about this. <laughs> I love that, Jane. Thank you. I'm going to take that recording and I'm going to make it my uh, ringer on my phone when Klein calls. Whiny and millennial. History has always been written by the victors and we live in this area with so much Native American history. And that was glanced over in what I learned too. And how about all these women who- Yeah, but when did you start learning that that all had happened? That's what I'm saying. I don't think in the 70s and the 80s, there was a lot of education about how our history was super whitewashed and like fed to us in a very specific, from a very specific perspective. I think a lot of that happened in the past like 10 or 15 years. In like the late 80s and the early 90s, I had my awakening and I did something with it and did some protests. Right. Not to sound like a really old person here, but years ago, we were in uh, Italy, Joe and I, and we had a translator who was with us because we were in these little parts where and we don't speak Italian. And at one point she said to us, I just have to thank you. My mother has taught me since the day I was born that America saved us. I will always help you because you helped us. And we were like, oh, we didn't do anything. You know, like we, we kind of- What, what are they talking about? She was talking about the war. Me and Klein's generation, like we're so far removed from that. It's like, what have we done in our lifetime? I'm removed, I'm removed from that too, but she wasn't. I think it's, it for us, it's you can't do one really good thing uh, like, 80 years ago. And I, I'm not saying we should forget about that. There are a lot of really good people. And I still like, I know there are so many caveats to this. This is such a complicated thing. America has it a lot better than a good amount of countries. Uh, we're white. So we have it immensely better than most people in this country. Yeah. At the same time, you can't, or I don't think that you should point to something that this country did a few times almost 100 years ago and live off of that for the next like 200 years. Like I think you need to keep in check what you're doing. I mean, isn't that the point is that just because we're saying that we don't think things are run really well doesn't mean that we hate this country. Like it just means right. we yeah. have it, we and, hold it to and, a higher standard. Yeah, Klein, I actually agree with that because I think the most patriotic thing you can do is challenge the country. But beside the point, I think, I don't know if you had this experience when you were abroad too, because you went in what, junior year of college, that even like politics aside, 
we would go abroad and everything was like stupid Americans. Americans are awful in America, like degrades our cultures. I was like always embarrassed. I was like, oh, I got to be quiet and I got to be nice and I have to speak the language as often as possible. When I went, there was like, we would always joke about the ugly Americans because there were tourists coming in and just knowing nothing about the culture. And we were living there and we were trying to have like an authentic experience and, and meet French teens. But definitely Amer- like they wanted to meet us like you you need everything with balance like you need to keep in check that ideology that america does great things because if you don't that's what happens people think they can do no wrong and thinking that you can do no wrong is the worst way to live like you can 100% do wrong and you will make mistakes and if you fix those mistakes it's fine but if you just keep living as if like no no no, no. we yeah. look at all of these great things we did that means we can't possibly be doing something wrong right now. That's like... You could make a case for we're the worst country in the world and you can make a case for we're the best country in the world, depending on what you want to focus on. So Elise and I aren't saying we want to move. Oh, I, I just would, don't... I would like to. <laughs> I do not want to hire another editorial assistant. I'm not saying that I... Well, actually, I have literally said that I want to go live abroad, but it's not Wait. because I'm running away from the US. And there are a lot of people who don't like what's going on and are and talk about the fact that you have to... Because of that, you have to stay because you need to do the work. I think I have such a perspective just with um, anti-Semitism. Like, mm-hmm. there are a lot of places that I would not feel safe living that even the Scandinavian countries. I'm not saying that that I'm not proud of America because there are so many other places that are better. I'm, I'm just saying I'm not proud of America because we're not, because people walk around and say that we're so great and we have all of these uh, like freedoms and like life's so good here for so many people and they ignore the fact that that's not always true. If you're gonna be a great country, you have to address those issues. Though another thing though that I was thinking that also John told me that I was nuts for last night was that as scary as it was and as like crazy as it was all I wanted was to be there part oh of that. my god no so no? That's, you said that to me last night and I was thinking about that today because I didn't have that yesterday but I've definitely had that feeling before and I just because I would have been there like that used to be what I did well that's the thing I can't tell if that's a generational thing or if that's a journalism thing I think it might be a journalism thing. I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to like, and maybe it's just because I was there for so long. Like I, I, it could have easily happened while I was there, but all, I don't know. I felt that in a lot of the protests going on. Did either of you watching it last night feel like this can't happen in America? This should not be happening in America. Yes. No. I felt it was inevitable. Like yeah. We- years leading up to this on the cap but not on the capitol in the beginning i felt kind of weird about it because i do remember not feeling shocked and everyone around me was like talking about how crazy this was and how wild it was and i was kind of just like why am i not more like this is a logical conclusion yeah where we're heading i had it i told you so in my head but i'm only saying it now right if you think about it about how all of these lawsuits were brought up about the elections and fraud and judges that Trump placed went against him and stuck with the law. And even the Supreme Court went with the law. What saved the country was the country itself because they had, we have put in place hundreds of years ago, these systems that still work. At least that is what makes America the greatest country in the world. And four years ago, we knew that our, everything was going to be put to the test. And I really had hoped that 
our government would come yeah. through. And maybe we'll find out it came very close to not. Yeah. But I, that's what I think. I do too, but we're but it doesn't matter because it fixed it. I don't know. I'm not in the triumph story phase. But imagine if you can make it even better so that we didn't even have to deal with the last four Absolutely. years. Absolutely. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's what that's I'm hoping what, comes. Right. And that's what young people are for. And with all that you're seeing and witnessing, I would We're think, clean up. Yeah. I would think that young people are going to rise to the occasion. Come on. It's all on you now, you whiny millennials. <laughs> I'm talking today to Dr. Judith Lightfoot, an infectious disease specialist from Rowan Medicine. Can you tell me how bad is the surge we're having right now? How does it compare to last spring? I do see a uh, difference between what happened last spring and to what I'm seeing right now. One, I am a survivor of COVID-19, one of the earlier cases, really critically ill at that time. But what I see clinically this time, I'm just seeing an array of people who are becoming infected. I'm seeing patients who, I mean, people who are in close confines, even their own small family groups are becoming infected. My calls as an infectious disease specialist, even dealing with the community on the outpatient, there are more people who I'm inclined to start them on therapy as an outpatient to try to prevent them from going to the hospital um, who are very sick and some have had to put in the hospital who are very reluctant to even want to go to the hospital, but their breathing status has changed so rapidly. And I can hear the changes in someone who has COVID, the struggling to breathe, the cadence in their voice, how choppy their voice sounds when they're struggling to breathe, um, when they get this. When you say you have patients who are reluctant to go to the hospital, why? Are they afraid of it being there? Yes, because they know the number of patients in the hospital have COVID and they're worried about the depth and the degree of their illness in the hospital. And does that mean that they're gonna come out of the hospital and how sick are they? Right. Um, we can manage you at home. However, that's, that depends on the individual and how well you know your patients. I've been practicing a long time, but even I know with someone who, who I feel as though that I know, but there are cases in which I feel as though you need to go. This is the best that I can do, but your, your status has changed. And today we have the advantage of video cameraing. I do my iPad with them at home on the telehealth visits or my computer, and I can see them and watch their respirations or, and see if they're struggling um, to breathe. And I don't want any negative outcomes. So I want them to go where more people can help them all at one time. Sure. So has enough time passed that you now know how to treat someone at home who has COVID? Like what is oh, the deal? Yes, 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 yes. So it depends on where they are with it. It may be just rest for some and giving them analgesics, um, antipyretics such as Tylenol or ibuprofen, plenty of fluids, plenty of rest. Let the body rest and heal thyself. Don't want to eat. They don't want to swallow because it hurts. Their throat is dry. It hurts to swallow, but you have to encourage them to do these things. Sure. But more importantly, if they live alone, um, we often are concerned, is there someone checking on them? People get dizzy from dehydration. People should be checking on them, should be calling to say, are you feeling okay? And if that individual isn't answering the phone, then maybe you should go visit them or call someone to go see them or to do a wellness check. Yeah, that's, that's tricky because a lot of people probably don't want to go see a person who has COVID. Well, that's true, but you know, um, 
if no one checks on them and they're not answering the phone, um, then they could be very well dead in their own home. Uh, and that's a concern. So we have to do checks. Are there fewer deaths with this search than when it first started? No, they're not. I mean, when we look at what's happening across the United States, the death rate is close to what, 2,600 to 3,000, I think. So I say per day, it's just as high, if not higher. And what, what effect is that having on healthcare workers, but especially your residents? My residents are tired. And when I say that they're tired, it's not because they post-call that they get their off, because today residents do not work 36 hours straight or any of that. But what happens? This type of death that you see, we have a virus that you can't necessarily stop if it's not caught in time. And even in the most healthiest individuals, they have some, some have succumbed to death. But when you talk about whether young or old are having to pronounce three or four people in one night and trying to keep them alive on what we call systemic pressors and putting them on ventilators and doing everything you can to try to maximize their work of breathing so that they can breathe and it's not making a difference, it becomes a bit disparaging. Yeah. So even though my residents who have dedicated their lives as many healthcare providers and physicians, doctors, nurses have done, you're trying to make a difference and to preserve human life. But sometimes situation dictates that that may not happen. You may not be able to save everyone. So sure, when I was a resident of most doctors have, had looked at death and saw a lot of death maybe but certainly not at the level in which we're seeing today. The closest thing I can come to, to this pandemic is the early on in the AIDS epidemic, because that's when I trained, but it wasn't like this. You know, I saw young people, young men, gay males, just die from full-blown AIDS. And that was hard, particularly when I had to code them or try to bring them back to life. And when there was no future, and I questioned, why am I going into infectious diseases? because they were my age and younger, but somehow I found the will and a way to stay with it. But this is different. This is different. They're seeing this every day, wow. every night when they're in those critical care units in ICU. Wow. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine starting your career that way? Yeah. Well, as I interview potential college students to come to medical school, because I sit on an admissions committee mm -hmm. and I talk about the realities of medicine and the dedication that medicine is not a jealous mistress. She demands all of your time. And I get them to think about why they wanted to be a doctor. No one asked for a pandemic, no. But medicine has called us and is calling us now. It always has. It's leaning on its best and its brightest and people who are dedicated to serve. And you're serving your country, your patients, your fellow men, and we have to hold each other up. Yeah, that's tough. Well, how does this end? Does it only end with a vaccine? You know, I kind of think a vaccine and a cure. That's why when people are afraid of the vaccine and we need more vaccines in order to adequately immunize, and where are we up to? Maybe 5 million, if we're up to 5 million people being vaccinated? Yeah. And then from what I'm hearing, the not so good news that production may be slow. We, are, we were looking at June. I'm afraid we're looking at September by the time everyone is vaccinated. Keeping our wit 
about us instead of fighting the system. You know, every time I hear about LA County, every time I hear Arizona and Texas numbers, Ohio's numbers, everybody's numbers, parts of the country, and, and where my colleagues are, like in Missouri, and they're being threatened if they're told they wear a mask and the, what the ID docs are going, it's just appalling. It's appalling. And people don't want to follow the recommendations. We could stop this. How many more people are we going to sacrifice to such a pandemic? We could have had control over this. That's a whole nother discussion. I think most of us know the answer there. It's a shame. So how frustrating is it when you hear people who say it's not real, I shouldn't have to wear my mask, all of, the, all of those things? Tell them to talk to me about my girlfriend who's fighting right now in a hospital because of her granddaughters who knew all the precautions to take. She herself, a podiatrist, her husband's a neurologist, her granddaughters went to the other grandparents and the other grandparents said, we don't wear masks here, we're safe, okay? Now, even though my girlfriend got the vaccine, mm -hmm. her, her granddaughter said, no, grandma said for us not to take our mask off, this was over the holidays. And the other grandmother said, no, we're fine. And now one of the twins was symptomatic. Now the grandmother has it, the one who's in the hospital right now. Yeah. Because of ignorance. And she tried, she was so upset with them. How dare you undo what, how I've trained my girls to be? Because there's a lot of ignorance. Leadership is responsible for that. But... Today, I have to hold adults. Where do you think these people are just dying? The nurses, the doctors, the frontline workers are, are pleading with people to pay attention. When the ambulance that comes to your door says, I'm sorry, and you're asking the medic to make a decision whether to take you to the hospital or not, because they think that your mortality is not that, is, is very severe. That hasn't happened here in New Jersey yet. But when I heard that happening in LA County and parts of the country, never has that happened. But then here's the other thing, our economy has been affected, but our lives are more important. I value life. Economy I can fix, but if you have no one here to work it, what's the point? Right. What's right. the point? We're all going to pay for this pandemic one way or the other. That's why I say it's the people's vaccine. Get the vaccine out to the arms that it's needed. Those who don't want it, move out of the way, but keep your mask on, wash your hands, keep the distance. Those who think that this is some kind of a, you have a right, no, you don't have a right to get me or anyone else sick. Now that we know what the cause is, that's just pure ignorance yeah yeah we don't get a do-over life is one time well you are just wonderful thank you so much you're great well, thank to too thanks for the opportunity thanks so much to dr lightfoot for talking with me today i was so surprised i never thought about how it would affect medical residents yeah, we really cannot thank our healthcare workers and frontline workers enough for all of this. Yeah. Also, thanks to everyone for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Tuesday and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.